This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale. Of yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grawn, new whale. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary. And those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run. From the phone, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore and mythology, we retell it, have chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan. I'm your host and your Fireside bard. Welcome to episode 128 of Fireside. Today on the Irish Storytelling Podcast, we have part two of the epic three-part tale of Connell Yellowclaw. But first, if you are a new listener, thank you so much for joining us. Um, you're probably not listening to this episode as your very first episode as a part two. Certainly at least listen to part one of Connell Yellowclaw. And then if you enjoy that, why don't you go right back to the very beginning of Fireside, 127 episodes over the last two and a half years, and see what we've been building up to on the Fireside journey thus far. And if you are a returning listener, as always, thank you so much, so much for your continued support. Please do follow me over on Instagram at Fireside Bard if you want to check in, say hello, have any thoughts or queries, check out my poetry, my other work, see what I'm up to. Um, email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com if you're not on social media. And if you really want to join the intimate community of Fireside supporters, you can support over on Headstuff Plus at headstuffpodcast.com where you can join the inner circle of Fireside and gain access to not just bonus material and episodes for this podcast, but for all of the other podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network as well. Um, I should say I'm recording this episode just before I'm still in rehearsals for World of Musicals for our tour of Australia and New Zealand. We head off this weekend and I will be quarantining in Sydney for two weeks. So I'm going to be getting very on top of ahead of myself for Fireside because uh, I love taking the podcast on the road and I'm delighted that I have the gear to do that and keep it up but it is always an added challenge carving out time and getting a space still to a quiet space to record it in but I'm fortunate that I have these two weeks of quarantine that I can get firmly on top of everything but I'm also going to be adding a lot more of the bonus content to to Headstuff because that's taken or to Headstuff Plus because that has taken a little bit of a back seat since I've been in rehearsals I've been so up to my eyes with them. I've just about had time to keep up the the weekly episode of Fireside itself. Um, and I'm still coming to the end of 
writing uh, my poetry collection and I'm in the editing stages of that. So between rehearsals and that and the writing and recording and releasing of the regular episode of Fireside, uh, the, ep- the bonus material, I haven't updated in a little bit, but I have lots planned and I have a lot ready to release. So there'll be a good bit, there's a good bit of incentive now to join Headstuff Plus if you so want to. But that is no hard sell on that. The podcast will be here each and every week for free, as it always has and always will be. The story for this week is part two of the epic saga of Connell Yellowclaw. Last week we had part one, where we have... So where are we so far? We have we have this father, this Irish father named Connell Yellowclaw, whose three sons get involved in a fight with the, king, with the sons of the King of Leinster. The sons of the King of Leinster ends up dying by the hands of the sons of Connell Yellowclaw and as penance Connell and his sons must travel to Lachlan what we would now call Denmark to steal the fabled brown horse of the king of Lachlan they are the they are caught and then they are asked by Connell is asked by the king of Lachlan to tell of a more sorrowful tale than the prospect of losing his son to the hangman's noose to save the life of his youngest son. Connell tells a story about being trapped in a boffy with a group of cats who sang for him and then demanded payment from him. And now he has saved the life of his first of his youngest son and he has two more sons left, so he has two more tales to tell. We will chat a bit more afterwards, but this is part two of Connell Yellowclaw on Fireside. <laughs> Connell Yellowclaw Part 2 Connell Yellowclaw was at the mercy of the King of Lachlan. His three sons had become engaged in a quarrel with three sons of the Irish King of Leinster, and the eldest son of the King ended up dead by the hands of the sons of Connell Yellowclaw. As penance, the King of Leinster asked that Connell Yellowclaw go and steal the prized brown horse of the King of Lachlan, what we would now call Denmark. Connell and his three sons had successfully smuggled themselves over the sea and into the castle of the king, but had been caught red-handed attempting to burgle the horse back to Ireland. So the king of Lachlan said he would hang each of Connell's three sons unless the Irish father could tell the king of a worse day in his life. Connell had already successfully told of the time when he was a child and was nearly eaten alive by a herd of singing cats. For this tale, the King of Lachlan had spared the life of Connell's youngest son. Now, the King had asked Connell for another tale, of another sorrowful day, to save his middle son. Connell thought a great deal before beginning. He had just the yarn to spin. When I was a young lad, my father sent me out hunting. His land was right on the east coast, and I was never far from beach and cliff and dune. One day, I was hunting near the coast, and felt the distinctive smell of an open fire. Next, I saw the source. Smoke appearing to rise in a wave to the sky like a grey snake crawling to heaven. The fire's source was still hidden, as the smoke seemed to disappear between two rocks. So, being an inquisitive young lad, I went to investigate... I climbed the rocks, unsure of my footing. This being the coastline, the rocks were slippy when wet, and I lost my grip. My right foot went from under me into the air, and then following my body down into the dark hole between the rocks. 
Fortunately, I am still alive to tell this tale for having landed in a bed of soft heather which covered the entire cavern below. In this cave, I saw the fire, and I wished the fire was all that I had seen. I followed the flickering light to where it cast upon an enormous, horrifying face. The cave was the home to a giant. Not just this giant, but his two dozen goats and a buck at the head of the herd. The giant himself was between fifteen and twenty feet tall, shaggy-haired, with a collection of goat pelts for clothing, and he appeared to be blind in one of his two dark, milky eyes. I was at an age where I still believed in enchantment, but I never expected to actually see a creature like that in real life. When I landed, the giant approached me immediately. Well, well, it appears the gods have sent a delicious meal from the sky. It will not be goat on the menu tonight. Despite my protestations, the giant tied me up and began to prepare utensils to cook me over the fire. Fortunately, the preparation gave me enough time to think of my own plan. I looked into the giant's one good eye and said, Why would you eat me when all you will get from that is one meal? I have magical powers, and I will gladly heal your blind eye if you let me go. In fairness to him, the giant was intrigued and had nothing to lose. He was perfectly up for some pre-dinner entertainment. If you can heal my eye, I will let you go. If not, I will eat you. That seems like a fair deal. Will you untie me so, you know, so I can begin? Hesitantly, the giant untied the ropes binding me. He watched as I went to the cauldron over the fire and began preparing a concoction of sorts to heal his bad eye. I began mixing in whatever I could find in the cave always throwing it in the cauldron as if it was an age-old spell. When I felt the mixture was prepared, I asked the giant to kneel down so that I might apply it. He obliged, and instead of smearing my ointment on the bad eye, I poured the boiling waste into his one good eye, blinding him completely. The giant gave a near-deafening cry that reminded me a little bit too much of the wails of the cats who had chased me up the tree. They seemed like simpler days, comparatively. Though the giant was blind, he had his other senses, and I was trapped in his cave. You will never escape. I will shuck the flesh from your bones with a muscle shell for this. He said it with such confidence. I was terrified, but resolute. I was getting out of that cave. I had to stay crouched in the corner all night, doing my best to slow my breath as much as possible to avoid detection by the smell or sound of breathing. So passed the longest night of my life. When morning's light finally came, I had not slept a wink and was no closer to knowing how I would escape. Colonel Yellowclaw, are you still here? said the giant when he awoke. I did not reply. I know you are, and I will have my revenge on you. But as you are here, and as I am blind, will you please let my goats out of this cave to pasture on the grass? Suddenly, 
I had my plan. One by one, the herd of goats began to walk from their pen to the entrance of the cave. The buck led the way, and as he passed me, I grabbed him and quietly slit his throat. The giant said immediately, You have killed my buck! I have not, I lied as I began to skin the hide of the innocent creature. The goats continued to walk from the cave, with the giant picking up each one to count them. Once I had skinned the buck, I began to wear its hide and crawled by the giant. He picked me up in his hands and pet my wool. There you are, my precious buck. You can see me, but I cannot see you. He then put me down and I crawled out of his cave to safety. When I was out of peril, I arrogantly called back into the cave. Hey, blind giant, I have escaped from your cave and you will never know how. There was a pause before. I'm impressed, he said. I should like to reward you for your cunning. Come back inside so I can give you this ring. But naturally, I was not falling for that. I will not walk back inside your cave, but why don't you throw your ring to me? To my surprise, that is exactly what he did. I heard the ping sound of ring on stone and then saw the shine clatter toward me. It was not even a giant-sized ring. It perfectly fit my young hands. But it was a trick, because the moment I put the ring on, the giant said, Ring! My ring! Where are you? I am here, a voice came emanating from the ring, and suddenly I heard the thundering sounds of the giant's footsteps toward me. I could not remove the ring. It had fastened too tight, so the only thing to do was to take the knife from which I had skinned the buck and cut off my own finger. I took the finger and ring, and with the longest throw I could muster, hurled the digit and jewel into the Irish Sea. The giant then emerged from the cave again and said, Ring! Where are you? I am here, said the ring, this time from the bottom of the sea. The giant didn't hesitate to run off the cliff into the bounty of the ocean. He sank to the bottom and never surfaced. The giant drowned. I returned to his cave to fetch all of the gold and jewels I could carry home. And see here, O king of Lachlan, this is where that finger once was. And that was a sorrowful day to compare with the prospect of the hanging of my middle son. His tale done, Connell Yellowclaw held up his hand to the King of Lachlan to show where indeed he was missing the ring finger from his right hand. That is sufficient evidence for me, Connell Yellowclaw, and a fine story at that. You have saved the life of your middle child. Now... If you can tell me one more day in your life that was bad or worse than losing your first-born son, you will all be free to go home. Connell Yellowclaw took a deep breath. He was so close and so far. He shuffled through his experiences and highs and lows and even to the depths of his imagination for one final tale. To be continued. Thank you. 
Folks, as you all know, Fireside is a proud son of the Headstuff Podcast Network, which is Ireland's largest network of independent podcasts and a loving home for the creative and indeed the curious. There are so many other podcasts I could recommend to you on the network, some of which inspired me to approach Headstuff myself. Here's a taste of one you might enjoy. Dublin podcast is basically Suzanne Kane and PJ Gallagher. It is a podcast that is designed very much look at the negative side of things and tell you that it is okay to get up in the morning and live your day. Suzanne Kane, slightly crazy conservative lady and ultra liberal lunatic headcase me, PJ Gallagher, doing our best to put a smile on your face. It's a midlife, it is literally a midlife crisis podcast. Start from next week, we'll have 10 15 minutes of extra bonus material that will be on the podcast every single week, which will be very focused instead of this usual sort of demented ranting. Excuse me. And you can sign up together on headstuffpodcast.com where you'll find loads of other brilliant podcasts with, with all brilliant topics. Material, and apparently. loads of great bonus material that isn't us, but stick with us too. Thank you. And that is part two of the tale of Cunnel Yellowclaw on Fireside. And I hope you enjoyed it. Yes, this part. This is you can, I hope, see now. I hope that... There'll be many of you, I imagine, because people do... I get the impression that people, while there are those who listen to Fireside every week, there are a lot of people who leave them for a while and like listen to them all together. So I'd be very interested for people listening to the three parts of Connell Yellowclaw, one after the other, as as opposed to listening to them week week after week. It's This is what I meant when I said last week that I wished I could talk about the the entire tale straight away. And we'll be able to talk about it all next week, of course, for the exciting conclusion. But the reason why I wanted to do this story and do it properly, give it three episodes for each of the three stories told to save the three sons, was because each of the stories was so different that it totally warranted its own episode as far as I was concerned. Because you have this very different tale in the first part you know, obviously you have the framing device itself of the murder of the King of Leinster's son and the going to Lachlan to steal the brown horse of the King of Lachlan. But the the tale within the tale that Connell Yellowclaw tells to save the life of his youngest son about these ten caterwauling cats has a very different kind of feel to being trapped in this coastal cave we have with a giant and this incredibly ingenious because in in Connell Yellowclaw part one with the cats he is he gets out kind of by the skin of his teeth you know he goes into this mothy with his two cows and he is just cornered by these cats and has to give them the cows to eat as payment for this for this singing for him for this cronin that was offered up to Colonel Yellowclaw. And then when it was his turn to be on the menu, he just kind of jumps out the window and climbs a tree and tries to fight off the cats until he is rescued by a priest and his band of warriors. But here it is total cunning. This is like riddles in the dark from The Hobbit. This is, uh, and not just because there is a ring involved, but here we have a tale of Colonel getting himself into trouble because of his inquisitiveness and his uh, his curiosity but getting himself out of it entirely off his own cunning so we have this these 12 goat these two dozen goats and a buck at the head 
And we have this poor book being skinned alive so that Connell can wear his hide to get out, which is an incredibly creative thing. And this is why this reminds me so much of the Odyssey as well. It is very much these Odyssey-like tales. And then the cleverness and the turn in the giant's plan to throw Connell the ring, the ring that can shout out where it was. You know, it's a very primitive version of Find My iPhone, essentially. And there we have a... Then we have a folklore trope as well of of inanimate objects having voices, you know, inanimate objects that don't even have mouths. And what's always quite interesting, we had that with the tale of witch horns, of the witch of the one horn and the witch of the twelve horns, when they fled up the mountain and returned to the house of the woman they asked the door to open and they asked the beam to be lifted and they asked the cake to answer them and all three of these things did answer them without any cause or of how they spoke or with what orifice this sound came out of them. And that is just a very well-established folklore trope that it just kind of ignites the imagination in a different way. It's a one uh, I'd be very interested in people reading this story to see what, what kind of voice comes for a ring, like what kind of sound. I kind of played it quite straight uh, because of the point in the story that it was. It was really starting to ramp up and you want to get this sense of this panic of Colonel Yellowclaw at that point because he then has got himself so far, so far out of danger through his cunning and then this giant's plan, this turn that suddenly he's going to be caught and he has to very impulsively make a decision and the decision is to cut off his own finger because he can't get this ring off. Which again is very Lord of the Rings, the idea of uh, Gollum biting, biting Frodo's finger off before being plunged into the depths of Mount Doom. Um, I will not apologize for a spoiler alert if you haven't. There's no reason you should be listening to this podcast if you don't know know your Lord of the Rings. There, I've said it. Um, But with... Colonel Yellowclaw, he throws the ring in and then the giant is thusly drowned. But I spoke a good bit last week about this idea of is Colonel Yellowclaw making these stories up? You know, is he using the power of his imagination? Is he an incredibly story, incredible storyteller? Or this ordinary guy with the most extraordinary life who's got himself into all of these scenarios through poor fortune and curiosity and intrigue and this seems naturally a story that had actually happened to Colonel Yellowclaw because he is missing the finger of course there are many ways he could have lost his finger and this could have just been this great story that he imagined up and maybe he had this story before ready to go or maybe it's like the Joker or how do I how did I get these scars maybe this is a thing Colonel Yellowclaw told his children over the years different various stories about how he did lose his finger but it very it might also be the absolute truth and this is a I don't like to think of this as an exclusive one way or the other you know there could be again very like the idea of storytelling you have a lot of truth there perhaps there is a lot of kernel of truth and then just flourishes around the never let the truth get in the way of a good story but to be fair we will have more of a concrete answer one way or the other when we have the third and final part of Colonel Yellowclaw next week which becomes even more of an odyssey and 
closes out the framing device as well and naturally I won't give away too much else once again a thing that I love so much about adapting these stories particularly is that I get to speak entirely in the one per- in the first person I get to just read as Connell Yellowclaw for the whole thing which allows for a very different kind of conversational approach than the narrator character dynamic that I usually have to flip between it's strange when you when the entire narrative is told from the perspective of Colonel Yellowclaw, but still there are times where he is doing the voice of the giant. That's interesting, actually, that when I was doing the voice of the giant there, I hadn't as much of a an idea of, of course, it's Colonel Yellowclaw's version of this giant's voice and not the voice of the giant. I thought it was just this giant, so it's... Very interesting that that's where the line can get blurred between between the storyteller and the story. And with that, I will wrap things up. But I really hope you enjoyed this part two of Conal Yellow Claw. This will definitely, in the in the time soon enough, I'm sure, when I do put together a collection of my of hopefully a book of all of my favorite of the stories from Fireside, and I rewrite them and re-edit them again like it'll be really nice doing the three parts of Connell Yellowclaw together I spoke about this idea of a framing device before that Fintan Macbochra and the Hawk of Ackle could be a framing device for all of Irish mythology and how Connell Yellowclaw could be a similar thing where you could fit so many you could attribute so many folktales to Connell Yellowclaw in different scenarios part of me used to like hate Connell Yellowclaw because like a Yellowclaw, a Yellowclaw sounds kind of disgusting and it's quite visceral, but like it is a very musical name as well, as uh, the name is Osgoelga, because uh, or in Scots Gaelic, as it as it kind of w- originally would have been like uh, is Conal Crabuah or Conal Crabuia, so like Conal of the Yellow Claw, which again it comes from a it's an old West Highland tale. But uh, it is the Joseph Jacobs version from Celtic fairy tales that I am adapting, where it is otherwise uh, known as the Black Thief and the Knight of the Glen. And a version of this also appears in the Book of Giants by Ruth Manning Sanders. So this is actually a tale that uh, appears in a few different versions. And while it is Scottish in origin, it's still very much set in Ireland. I mean, you have this idea of... uh, that Lachlan can either be Denmark or it can be the Hebrides Islands. So like with the Scottish influence, perhaps it could have made more sense to set it in the Hebrides. But to me, like I said before, like the Hebrides is a kind of fast and loose aspect because it is, or Lachlan between like whether it's Denmark or the Hebrides. I think that can be dictated on a tale to tale basis. And I think you can do both versions every time and, make a decision every time where it's going to be set. Are you going to set it in this, in more of a Scottish region or are you going to set it in a more Danish, Scandinavian region, which, of course, the Hebrides has elements of both of those. Um, but again, as someone from the east coast of Ireland, from County Wicklow, from a from Viking scenario, I can never never resist the idea of, of going into that Viking world, which, uh, which Connell Yellowclaw allows you to do. But thank you so much for all listening. I hope you all enjoyed it. Thank you so much to Alan, Paddy and Connor, everyone over at Headstuff. Uh, please do follow me over on Instagram at Fireside Bard. Uh, if you want to check out my poetry, any of my other work, email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com 
or join the intimate community at headstuffpodcasts.com where you can join Headstuff Plus for as little as five euro a month, although you can pay more if you so choose. And I will be heading into quarantine now in a few days for the next two weeks in Sydney. So there'll be a lot to do um, in terms of keeping up with our rehearsals and everything. But uh, one of my priorities for that lockdown is to get back on top of Fireside and to get a lot more bonus material out for Headstuff Plus as more of incentive for those of you to join and for those of you who have already so generously supported me to stick around for more. Uh, next week we'll have the third and final part of Connell Yellow Claw, but until then uh, I'll see you all, you'll hear me all, and remember wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.